1: Whole Foods Market brings you meals worth sharing this holiday season. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com slash shop for our online menu and ordering system. Local turkeys, inspired sides, and even a little something for your hosts, all available online or in-store at one of our six Manhattan locations. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com for more details.
2: Good morning and welcome to Straight No Chaser. This is your host, Katie Kiefer. We're broadcasting from heritageradionetwork.com, live from the back of Roberta's where brunch is being served down at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick. My guest today is Ben Flanner. Ben is the, I don't know, the genius behind the Brooklyn Grange. Tell us about the Brooklyn Grange. How did you get it? How did this happen? First of all, how did this happen? You're like from Wisconsin, right? You came to New York. What did you do?
3: Um, I worked in a couple different jobs for about five years um, in offices, doing a lot of number crunching and, and things like that. And I became really interested in farming. So, in short, I was just really interested in farming and, and wanted to start farming. And, and I knew that I would like it a lot, but at the same time, I didn't really want to leave the city.
2: Uh huh. And so, how did you find your space? Because I mean, you guys have a very let's talk about the Brooklyn garage. Let's describe for people what it is because it's a one-acre rooftop farm. Yep. Located in Long Island City how'd you find the space what'd you have to do let's like roll through the little stuff and then i (laughs) want to talk about your bbc thing so sure
3: so it took a lot of hustle we were looking on google satellite we were speaking with brokers um anyone friends anybody in the community that might be able to help us out and we were on the hunt we were we were not knocking on doors (laughs) wow and um and then uh we found this landlord it's uh Capital. And they, they had bought this building a few years ago, and they were looking for interesting things to do with it, and they were filling it up. And um, uh, a friend sort of pitched it to him and told him about the idea and us, and um, and the, the word we got back from him was, yes, he wants to do it. <laughs> so we went and we negotiated it pretty quickly and, and uh, you know, showed him some of the paperwork and the, the numbers behind uh, the weights of the soils and everything, and we installed a green roof and covered the entire space, the entire 40,000-square-foot roof with soil.
2: Wow. How many millions of pounds of that was that? Mm, a
3: little over a million, about 1.2 million Incredible. pounds.
2: You know, ben, let me ask you this. How, what made you think that vertical, or not vertical farming, because we'll talk about that in a minute, but what did you think, why did you think urban farming was like a viable uh, model for agriculture?
3: Um, well, there, there's so many open rooftops that, that have full sun, that just have, you know, Decent climate for growing vegetables, and um, you know they're being underutilized. And then it just seemed like a an interesting opportunity to s- start experimenting and start putting the numbers behind it and seeing seeing if we could create a, a business case about it.
2: Yes. I mean, to me, the business, the fact that you actually thought about the business model as well as how many millions of pounds of soil and how much, you know, <laughs> the engineering was going to be you know, to get that to, roof yeah. to stay where it's supposed to instead of down on the ground in a yeah. few years. Um, like, because it must absorb a shitload of, excuse me, a lot of rainwater. A lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which it must does. add a lot of weight to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you had engineers who came in and, and checked the, um, the, I mean, where did you find the information about the building that made you confident that it would be able to support the weight?
3: A structural engineer comes in, performs yeah. an analysis, and he measures the width of the pillars and the spacings between them and everything. And they pretty much have it down to a science. And they get the number. And then it's also pretty easy to figure out what the soil weighs because the um, the people that provide the green roof soils, they have all the specs pretty much down to the T.
2: Is there a special kind of soil that you use?
3: Uh, It's compost blended with lightweight stones, so that reduces the weight slightly Ah. compared with just a regular topsoil if you were to dig it out of the ground. Right. Uh, Because the lightweight stones, they're porous, so essentially there's a little bit of air. There's more
2: air in in the volume. as opposed to digging up clay, which I know, for instance, is really heavy. Clay is heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you started the Grange. It was about a year and a half Mm-hmm. Are we talking, we're in year number two.
3: Yep, just finishing second season.
2: Yeah. And so um, what did you, are you able to grow whatever you want on this rooftop pretty much as a northeast, you know, what grows in the northeast? Everything works there? Do you have a longer growing season? Um, close.
3: Uh, there, there's certain crops that, that don't really work as well, and it, there's sort of two different variables as we sort of weed out the crops that we don't grow. One of them is if there's really, if there's not a high economic value. Such as grains and and things Mm -hmm. like that, that really take a lot of space. Like to get the proper scale, you need acres and acres.
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, you are not going to be growing wheat or or mm-hmm. even corn, exactly. right? I mean, yep. you won't getting any of those corn subsidies? <laughs> no, we didn't.
3: The last <laughs> last year we planted probably about 50 square feet of corn though. <laughs> Did
2: you really just for fun?
3: Got a few of them. Yeah, they look pretty, but they just didn't really Just to be really trendy, right?
2: I yeah, mean, exactly. you don't want to be out of step with the rest of the agricultural community. You got to get some corn in there somewhere. Yeah. I hope you planted soy, too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Couple, just a few of them.
2: <laughs> just to make you feel like a, a real soy. farmer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but, um, um <laughs> what'd you say, Jack? Oh, sorry. Oh. So I thought Jack was saying something. Um, so in the first year of production, you figured out what wasn't going to work for you. What really does work? It's, it's, it's all sort of vegetable, like chard. And I mean, I've seen your farm stand. So, uh-huh.
3: Uh, salad greens grow really well. We right. We've been doing pretty fun blends, blending in amaranth and spinaches and all different types of lettuces and chicories. Um, it changes seasonally that's, that's probably our, our biggest, um, Single crop. All different salad mixes, and then also heirloom tomatoes grow well. They occupy about a quarter of our area. Mm-hmm. Um, eggplants, peppers, all the even okra, all the sun-loving plants do very well. Yeah, and then also kales and chards. So we do have a pretty big variety. It's definitely yeah. a market.
2: And how many pounds of vegetables did you come out with at the beginning, at the end of your first um, season? And then how did the second season stack up against that? Um,
3: yeah, we went from about thirteen thousand pounds last year to around fifteen thousand pounds this year. We that's
2: amazing. Tighten up On that number one acre. Yeah. Yep That's that's kind of mind-blowing Did everybody hear that? What is it? 18,000 pounds? 15 15,000 pounds yeah. this year That's and incredible And you do that in basically A six-month season
3: Yeah, six to six eight to Probably months. more like eight months Yeah If you count the extension When we re- We start our seedlings Early March Maybe a few of them Late February Do you cover the
2: you Onions the- in my bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you siren, you, Ben <laughs> <laughs> When can I come over? <laughs> crazy man but do you cover over do you have like a hot like a you know what do they call those things when they put like a hoop a, house yeah a hoop house or a cold frame or
3: mm-hmm. we just have a small hoop house that we put up this spring and we'll put up again next year and we started um probably 10 10 11, plants in there
2: Jeez.
3: um in march you know just to get you through that that cold month and then starting mid-april you can start bringing things out
2: Right. So let's talk for a couple minutes about your BBC challenge here. What is it that you're, I mean, yes. tell us about the, the prize that you're, the grant, it's a grant you're going for or a prize?
3: Yes. It's, um, so the BBC has an annual pro- or program. They call it the World Challenge, and, and they select 12 projects from around the world that have uh, sort of a, a business, business in parallel with a sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really nice honor. They, they chose us, and we were the only project chosen from the U.S. Wow. Um, we went through a brief application process and a little bit of an interview, and uh, so it was, it was pretty amazing when we heard we were chosen. And that's running right now, and it's an open vote to the public. Um, that's right. And th- there's a website that shows all 12 projects, and, and they're really interesting. There's um, digesters, um, you know, that are breaking down compost. There's uh, one one group that's using. Uh, waste plastic bags to create really cool baskets and things like that. Uh-huh. Like they're they're good projects, and um, so it's an open vote, and the top three do win a cash prize. And um, we're we're trying we to expand the to farm, and cash prize. We, we could use it. We'll we'll put it to good work. So. so
2: tell us exactly where people can go. and We'll put that up on our website as well afterwards, so sure. Can uh, the, you know.
3: the website is www.theworldchallenge.co.uk. And then from there, you can click on Vertigo Farming. That was BBC's clever name for it. I love that. And uh, if the website's a challenge, I I think if you just Google BBC World Challenge, you'd find it pretty quickly. Right. And then we'll see
2: your jolly face along with your 11 other uh, contestants.
3: Yep. And our our farm is called the Brooklyn Grange.
2: Right. So vote for the Brooklyn Grange people. Thanks. Jack, let's take like a 30-second break, and then we'll come back with Ben Flanner. This is Straight No Chaser on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Thank you. Welcome back to Street. Sorry, I'm adjusting my headphones here. Welcome back to Street No Chaser. I feel like my hair is out.
3: It's getting wild. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's good. We like that. Um, this is your host, Katie Kiefer. I'm in the studio with Ben Flanner, who is uh, the prime mover and shaker behind the Brooklyn Grange definitely one of the most successful rooftop farming projects probably in the world and a now a a contestant for the bbc world challenge of of groovy projects one of 12 incredibly groovy people so do go and, and look at the website and vote for the grange so um let's we were just in the break there talking about what were the things that you learned in the course of you know year two that uh have helped you increase you know improve the yield on your grange or i don't know whatever the improvements are that you've made Let's hear what's changed.
3: Yeah, we learned a lot. We're, we're also always experimenting. You know, they say farmer's work's never finished, and it's 100% true. Um, so we slowly but surely figure out some crops that don't work as well as others, um, summer squash and, and winter squash both. Um, they grow okay, but the yield's kind of small, and they also take a lot of space and a lot of time in the ground. Um, and we, we, because of the unique model that we have, we do have an acre, which is large, but at the same time, space is probably our biggest constraint. So mm-hmm. we have to focus and figure out which crops uh, sort of earn their keep, you know, in terms of the amount of space that they take up. Yeah. So there's some learnings with that. And then uh, we also had a couple soil problems. and we, Every year we have different pest problems. Um, in the spring, we had a lot of aphids on the tomatoes, aphids on whiteflies. So, um, you know, we were, we we're doing what we can. We ordered ladybugs and lacewings, and um, we were spraying them with... Um, Get diluted uh, soap, you know, something that mm-hmm. that fits organic standards, um, and and battling that out, the the heat actually kind of uh, you know got got them out, which which right. it will do, um, but it was a little bit of a choppy year for tomatoes, and actually they came a little bit late. Um, and yeah, then, I
2: noticed that definitely, in, in gardens up up in New England for sure, they were really late this year.
3: Yep. And then the hurricane came, which was obviously big news. Um, We drained pretty well, so um, I think our our hurricane damage was not huge, but a lot of tomato stakes went down. Probably about 1,200 tomatoes that were staked up Mm. fell, and we never even got those back up. Just Mm -hmm. no time.
2: Yeah. How many people work on the Grange with you?
3: Um, It really varies. There's myself. um, My uh, apprentice, Michael Meyer, has been around for the second half of the season. Um, We had a couple other People paid in and out for short periods of times, and then lots of apprentices um, from some of the universities around the town, Um, and then also uh, my partners, Gwen and Anastasia, and Chase.
2: Right. You know, I was gonna. That was a big question on my mind about your your project is because you are relatively the first or among the first, I mean, there's the Eagle Bridge or Eagle Top Farm. Is that another? Eagle Street. It's Eagle mm-hmm. Street, excuse me. And then there's the the Gotham Greens, which is hydroponic, so a different model. But I don't know of many other projects like yours in New York or even across the country. So are you getting hired now to consult with other people in other cities? I mean, you're sort of like the eminence. I've seen you on a ton of panels. You're always <laughs> getting the juice. So tell us about your burgeoning career as a, a mentor. Of rooftop farming <laughs> urban yeah rooftop there
3: farming. is there's a lot of interest definitely we we get lots of emails to our to our list uh, people asking for advice or you know they're working on projects in, uh, in Philadelphia or Boston or Chicago and even international projects so yeah it definitely feels like there's a lot of momentum and um, and we're helping out people and and doing what we can you know and, and I think ultimately that will be a nice sort of a side revenue like for the winter months and and so forth
2: i certainly hope so my friend because if you ain't making no revenue during the winter that's the saddest state of affairs (laughs) working as hard as you do to make this thing go so but i'm thinking to myself okay fifteen thousand pounds of vegetables and you're selling that off into your you have your own farmer's market that you do Mm -hmm. outside of roberta's and you're supplying restaurants right yep and how many restaurants can you supply with that
3: um, it, it varies. It depends on the regularity of it and everything. But we we sell to about six to ten restaurants right now. Mm-hmm. And that is the bulk of our sales. And then also farmer's markets. Um, we're doing three farmer's markets a week. Oh, at wow. peak, we do a, a market on Wednesday in the lobby of the building, uh-huh. right where the farm is. Yeah. And then on Saturday, we're at, um, at Schmargesburg and Williamsburg through the Green Market. And then Sunday, we're outside Roberta's. And we also have a 25-person CSA. So... Um, wow. We distribute those in tandem with the farmers' markets, which is an efficient way to uh, do the CSA's. While while we're already set up and there at the market, that's markets. right. And all
2: your stuff is there. You've moved it all. Do you have? have yep. you bought a truck? Do you have a truck to move? Uh, we have a
3: van, big minivan with yeah. all the seats pulled out. Wow,
2: incredible! Did you <laughs> think see we'll be yourself ready for doing <laughs> this? Yeah. Did you see yourself doing this five years ago?
3: No, not really. I, I was, I was, I was kind of keeping my eye out for something interesting to do and just thinking about it. So it's it's hard to explain. You know, but I, it, had, always... I
2: mean, at the risk of being really trite, has your dream come true? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Don't you love hearing that? That's <laughs> fabulous, Ben. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Well, the um, the whole the whole thing of rooftop farming and the, and the trendiness of it, I I love the idea of it. I think it's a great um, you know a great effort to pursue, and I I know that it's it's bringing something into the community that's completely unique and different from the way, because it allows people to really experience the idea that your food is not grown off in some place a million miles away and Mm -hmm. by some anonymous faceless corporation. So, I mean, I love that part of it, but um, we should talk a little bit about the viability of this for future. I mean, as we lose more and more cropland to development, for instance, do you see urban farming becoming a real source of, um, Food for urban communities, especially yeah, in well, the future. Like, I, I mean, 15,000 pounds sounds like a lot, but when you break it down, you're only supplying eight restaurants and 25 people. Sure. And, I mean, it's huge, obviously, huge effort, but it's still not coming it's, close to what we need for the population of the city. Do you think it will expand?
3: Sure. Yeah, I think it's still definitely a drop in the bucket. Um, you know, and there, there's potential to to cover a lot of roofs, you know, dozens or you know, lots of them for, for the model that we have. We do need a certain amount of scale, and we mm-hmm. also need a strong enough roof. So you can't just plop down a farm on any and every roof. But I, yeah. I like note to, to listeners: yeah, <laughs> do a little research first.
2: Get but there's a lot that you can't onboard. do
3: with them on. Um, <laughs> but I like the idea of doing something practical on roofs, whether it be you know another sort of community space similar to what we've created, or solar panels, or. Yeah, you know, anything farm. Yeah, wind. Why
2: isn't there more wind? Why isn't it's, there more of that, actually? Which I've seems just, like a much less um, rigorous way of producing energy in some form without as much uh, backbreaking labor.
3: I've done just a little bit of research on it, and uh, and I found about two hurdles that on urban uh, wind farms. One of them is that there's a lot of engineering that goes into torquing the, um, the windmills down to a roof because... You know, there's just a lot of force once those yeah. once you hit 80 mile an hour winds or something like that, and then also that cities tend to have lots of gusting and swirling and a little bit less consistency right. in the direction of the wind. So <laughs> that's what I've heard. <laughs> but solar, you know, if the sun's there, the solar works.
2: Yeah, there's no reason not to be harnessing that.
3: um Yeah. So in the end, to answer your question, um you know, we're never going to be feeding the the entire city off of rooftops, but at the same time. Um, you know, for, for people on my team and myself that really enjoy farming, I think it makes a hundred percent sense to seize the opportunity to to start up a few farms and, and do that and, you know, help others to do it as well and, and ultimately just have something practical happening on every roof and then the we'll do the math and figure out how you know, how much we can grow and then still the bulk share of it'll be grown from around the region.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. So um, we have like 10 more minutes. and um, fast. I know. Well, time flies when you're having fun. So, Jack, <laughs> let me take like a, another 30-second break here with Ben Flanner, and we'll come right back, and then we'll talk about extrapolating this out to the rest of the country and more on Organic. Extrapolation. <laughs> Radio Network.com Studios at 261 Moore Street in the back of Roberta's restaurant where brunch is now being served. I am your host, Katie Kiefer. This program is called Straight No Chaser, and my guest today is Ben Flanner, the um the emperor of rooftop gardening in the urban <laughs> northeast. <laughs> I'd like to see you in a mantle, you know, in the mantle of greatness that you really should be wearing with a crown and whatnot. I think that should be part of the whole get-up for the farmer's markets from now on. Yeah, then. that'd be and rad. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> So we were just talking in the break about venture capitalists and uh, whether or not people you see, um, you know, corporations, for instance, becoming interested in sponsoring programs like this. I'm not sure what their angle would be, but maybe there is one. Um, I suppose if you build a certain type of like water rec- you know, recirculator or cleaning up great water or something like that, you'd be interested in supporting a venture like this. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of interest in people who want to invest in similar projects? Um
3: yeah, we, we receive a lot of emails sort of in the same vein as, as asking about other projects, too. But, but a lot of people have called and emailed, and we've had phone calls with um, you know, private equity people and things like that that are looking for practical and environmental um, and you know if slow ways to use, use their money that are practical. Uh, we have a good relationship with slow money um, in the New York City oh, chapter.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Um, we participated in their event in the, in the early summer.
2: Right. And do you think that um that for instance the USDA or the government is ever gonna start recognizing that this this sort of project might have some kind of, you know, benefit to the community? Will it mm-hmm. be a, do you get for instance funding from the state or has the state expressed any interest in developing this into a bigger project
3: um from the government no in terms of funding but i think in parallel with that i I think we've sort of achieved a a level of um you know especially locally from from some of the politicians particularly christine quinn and some of her Mm -hmm. staff you know they've recognized that that they support what we're doing and you know we've had vocal support i don't really rely
2: ran a whole uh i went to a, a big um day of Talks and I forget what you call those things. Symposium, mm-hmm. um, all about sort of sustainable urban farming and agriculture. Yeah. So yeah, there's be. Yeah, right, Marty Markowitz. Yeah.
3: So uh, you know, I, I think it's going to take a little while, and there's a lot of hoops to jump through before they start giving you giving you money for a project. But to me, it, it seems like a nice success to even just have the the verbal support and sort of like the you know the pat on the back. Um, the, also, the D, the DEP um, has been very supportive and. Um, uh, we were recently awarded a grant from, from them to pursue a, a, another project. Um, that's for the rainwater catchment, um, not even particularly focusing on the vegetable side of things or the community side of it. The DEP, um, you know, they have a strong purpose of of promoting projects that collect rainwater because they spend a lot of money and there's a lot of environmental cost to um, sewer overflows after a heavy rainstorm. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of the interesting thing about this project is that besides just the food angle, there's also a community angle in that we have sort of created a public space and a park. Uh, we're catching water, which, you know, which is great for a lot of environmental agencies. And then there's also a large education component of it. We have lots of kids up and we started a nonprofit that actually focuses on that angle of it. Um, and you know, and there's a lot of food education and nutritional education for, for kids.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a big, um, that's my question. That'll be my parting question today to you, or maybe I'll say it right now is, um, I ask everybody who comes into the studio, should Uh we be bringing back home ec? Home ec? Remember home economics? Oh, that
3: was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I learned how to make a sweatshirt and a fruit pie.
2: Get out. Really? You had a very enlightened home ec. I liked home ec. yeah. 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 You're from Wisconsin, right? Yep. Yeah. It phased out in my part. I mean, I'm a northeastern, you know, girl and it phased out of our school system way early. So <laughs> obviously up in Wisconsin they took it a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, everybody who comes in here who's in the food business is like, Yes, they need to bring home Mick back. I think I even read an article in the Times about it the other day.
3: Yeah. But it's- and I think it could be kind of merged with some nutritional yeah, cooking for sure, and um maybe some basic agricultural practices too, like germinating seeds and how plants grow and things like that, because ultimately, you know, it would be amazing if people were utilizing a lot more of their balconies and mm-hmm. back porches and things like that just to grow a tomato plant here, tomato plant there. That that stuff's all, it can make it, it can move the needle.
2: It can move the needle. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have to worry about um, airborne pollutants in your vegetables?
3: Um, no, the lungs absorbs a significant Larger amount than a leaf would, plus the the life of a leaf is so short, uh. comparatively. Uh, we we give everything a, a rinse, though, you know, bringing it in. Yeah. Um, and oh. then uh, the a larger concern is heavy metals, which are luckily no, no longer emitted in s- serious quantities, or at least not compared to what they were in the seventies and the early eighties. Right. Um, uh, and then also we you know we brought in a fresh soil that that is lead free, but other people do have to be you know growing at ground level um if you pop something in your backyard especially around the city you should definitely test your soil and there's things you can do to fix it if there are problems
2: yeah because I remember we had Ion on from Added Value once and, and um, they basically ended up having to just build raised beds and bring in new soil mm-hmm. because the soil was so contaminated. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's true all over the place. So what's, what's next for the Brooklyn Grange? I mean, like, what are you guys focusing on for, um, you know, are you planning to expand? Are you moving this into other cities? Are you... Yeah, well... What's, we, gonna ha- what's year three, your next season going to bring?
3: <laughs> well, we're always busy with something. We wear a lot of different hats. Um, we're we're kind of tightening up the end of this season, and we're definitely have some works um, for ex, for expansion, um, particularly with the DEP grant. And um, we're helping out several people with some side projects. Hopefully, trying to spread some beehives around even Manhattan and other parts of Brooklyn, and build some planter boxes for people. So we're we're always busy with little side projects.
2: And do you have like connections with farms upstate? Do you have like exchange programs or? you know, things that are going on with farmers that are not right in the city um, or are you guys pretty much your own little gig?
3: Uh, we don't have a formal exchange program, but, but we have a lot of friendships and people that we're in touch with. And, and uh, actually one thing I'd say about the farming community is it's, it's really collaborative, especially for fall, small farmers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, cause it's not lucrative and it's really difficult and we're all kind of out there, like almost trying to beat the odds on a day to day basis. So, it's a pretty cool thing about the, the farming community just through people we meet at Green Market and friends I've made. I go up to the NOFA conference every winter. It's been in Saratoga for the last couple of years. Mm. Um, what is NOFA? Oh, NOFA stands for Northeast Organic Farming Association, and it's right. a, a big conference that's every year in January in the dead of the off-season. Yeah, <laughs> um, up in just,
2: Saratoga where
3: it's, yeah, where it's cold.
2: It's real cold.
3: <laughs> and then there's little conferences and workshops and... Mm-hmm. You know, communal communal lunches where you can sit with random people, and it's a good chance to sort of make some friends. If yeah,
2: network, share seeds, share seeds. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do a lot (laughs) of um, crossbreeding? And you're just—I mean, this is like really Uh, right off the charts,
3: right out there. Uh, Not a ton. We we save we save a bit of seeds. Um, The the ones that are a little easier to save, like the peppers and the tomatoes and some of the herbs. um, There is a little bit of risk of of, uh, hybridizing between the peppers and the tomatoes, but there's some things you can do to avoid it. Actually, kind of interesting, my, my buddy Zach Pickens um, has a little operation where he's try- he's been doing it, I think, for three or four years now, at least three, uh, where he's trying to s- sort of create a urban-slash-rooftop, variety of seeds. He's he's saving them and sort of saving oh, the best things that plants. are
2: like selected for, that yeah. genetically do well in that setting.
3: Mm-hmm. Which theoretically you do that's anytime cool. you save seeds. Right. And and he's been doing it, but with the emphasis of uh, he grows on the roof above, or used to grow on the roof above Madiba in Fork Green, and sort of saying alright, well that lettuce did the best, so I'm going to put one on the side, let it bolt, let it go to seed, and I'm going to save those seeds, and then that's going to be like the very infantile, you know, the start of optimizing for for city growing yeah. oh It'll i think be interesting that's really to see cool that goes, yeah.
2: that's brilliant well we have like a minute left so let's just um recap that special bbc thing we want people to go oh yes go online vote for the brooklyn grange i think that is just fantastic that's that you were selected out of the entire world thanks 12 that's people cool. congratulations we'll that's a major it. achievement <laughs> yeah no no it's huge so where do they go tell us the website again
3: oh the website's www.theworldchallenge.co.uk and then our project is cleverly named vertigo farming
2: next time you come on we're going to talk vertical farming with we'll get Dixon Dysphamia to to come back and talk about his we didn't get to it yeah yeah yeah, well you're going to come back Ben I like this I like this conversation especially this off season yeah (laughs)
3: <laughs> don't call me a yeah. summer.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, don't worry about that. So, um, well, next week, we have Ben Hewitt will be joining us to talk about his book, Making Suffer Supper Safe. And mm. the week after that will be our rescheduled guest, Alex Prudhomme, uh, talking about The Ripple Effect, his new book on water and where it's taking us in oh, cool. the next 50 years. Yeah, so those will be great shows coming up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Straight No Chaser with Katie Kiefer, my guest, Ben Flanner. Many thanks, and many thanks to... To the inimitable and wonderful Jack Inslee, my one and only. See you next week, folks. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following is a public service announcement from Food Karma. To kick off the New York City Meat Week in style, Meat with a Twist will bring together the best chefs and mixologists for a cocktail food pairing party on November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Meat with a Twist features 10 cocktails paired with 10 chef selections, highlighting local, sustainably grown meats such as duck, lamb, chicken, pork, beef, bison, and ostrich. The party will launch a week's worth of events throughout the city that celebrate the slow food movement bringing sustainable meats to our tables. Again, that's November 7th from 6 to 10 p.m. at City Winery. Updates, tickets, and more information are available at MeatWeekNYC.com.